Thank you, Mr. Beebe. As I pondered what I should say to you this afternoon, my mind was drawn to the only miracle story that is repeated in all four Gospels. We know that if something is said to us in the Bible one time, it's important, it's true, and we should believe it. But when the Holy Spirit repeats himself, it must be because there is a lesson of supreme spiritual importance. There is one miracle and one miracle only that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record. I refer, of course, to the great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. I want to focus on just one detail of that story. When the great multitude came to Jesus in the wilderness, he was moved with compassion because he saw that they were tired and they were hungry. Late in the day, his apostles suggested, send them home so they can get something to eat. Mark tells us what happened next. Quote, When the day was far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. You know the rest of the story about the lad with the five loaves and two fish and how Jesus took that food and blessed that meager lunch so that it fed 5,000 men with 12 baskets left over. This is one of the greatest miracles in all the Bible. 5,000 hungry men show up uninvited. And they stay for supper. Imagine ordering 5,000 pizzas. Deep dish. Chicago style, of course. That would cost a pretty penny. It would be a huge order. And I don't think Domino's would deliver either. Suppose you had to feed 5,000 hungry men tonight. What would you do? It's late. The people are tired. They're hungry. The local Burger King is closed for remodeling. The nearest Tim Hortons is down in Jerusalem. And Pizza Hut doesn't deliver to the wilderness. The disciples make a very practical suggestion. Send them away. Let them find food. That's logical. The suggestion is not made from bad motives. In themselves, the disciples had no resources to meet this enormous need. They had no food. They had no money. What else could they do? Answer, they could do nothing. You see, they didn't see 5,000 people. They saw 5,000 problems they couldn't solve. Most of us would have said the same thing. We're quick to see what we can't do and quick to talk about what we don't have. The disciples saw the crowds 
realize their inadequacy. Somehow they forgot that the Son of God was standing right there with them. Now, my favorite line in this whole story is when Jesus says, you give them something to eat. It's funny because the disciples, you see, had just gotten through explaining why they can't feed the massive crowd. You wonder if they weren't thinking something like this. You want us to feed these guys? You got to be kidding. Didn't you hear what we just said? We don't have any money. We don't have any food. What we have here is a failure to communicate. But Jesus wouldn't let his men off the hook. He wants them to get involved in the grand adventure of helping others. You know what? You know what I think? I think this story's in the Bible so that we'll understand how Jesus works with his followers. Over and over again, he puts us in positions where we are helpless. And then he says, do something. In our desperation, we cry out to heaven and say, how? And he replies, I'm glad you asked. It's not that Jesus wants us to fail, but he does want us to know that without him, we can do nothing. Our success, your success, depends totally upon him. And the sooner we learn that, the happier we'll be. Now, it's in John's account of this story that he tells us that it was Andrew who went and found the young boy with the five loaves and the two fish and brought him to Jesus. We shouldn't miss the obvious lesson here. Don't ever despise the day of small things. Just because something is small or seemingly insignificant doesn't mean God can't use it. Use the baby's tears to attract Pharaoh's daughter and the infant Moses was saved from certain death. Later, he used Moses' rod to deliver the children of Israel. And still later, a teenage boy named David used one smooth stone to defeat the mighty Goliath. Now, Jesus is about to feed 5,000 men with five biscuits and two sardines. Size doesn't matter to God. He can use anything we offer to him. As I stand back and ponder this wonderful miracle, one truth seems to stand out above all the rest. If you like, call it the moral of the story. God often puts us in situations where we are doomed to failure. That's my encouraging word to you graduates. Good luck. He's going to put you repeatedly in situations where humanly you are doomed to failure in order to force you and me to depend totally on him so that when the miracle comes, he alone gets all of the credit. After all, if you could do it, what do you need him for? 
If you've got all the answers, if you've got all the wisdom, if you've got all the power, if you've got everything you need, what do you really need Jesus for? This is a divine strategy repeated many times in the Bible and in our own experience. We often find ourselves in desperate straits with no way out, no good options, and no human way of remedying our situation. God allows this to happen. He orchestrates it to happen so that we will cry out to him. And when the deliverance comes, we're obliged to give God the total credit. So then, let me wrap up my remarks this morning with three lessons that seem to me to be especially appropriate for our graduates today. You're going to go out from here. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen next week. Some of you going into that internship. It's going to happen. You're going to go into the ministry. You're going to go to the church. You're going to go on the mission field. And you're going to be in a desperate place. The Lord's going to say to you what he said to his disciples. Give them something to eat. And you're going to say, I've got no money. I've got no food. The stores are closed. It's a long way from anywhere. Oh, Lord, I'm stuck. You know what? You discover your theology in a moment like that. You learned your theology from your teachers. You discover it in the wilderness. When you're out there by yourself and the Lord says, give them something to eat. So file away these three lessons. Lesson number one, the fact that something is impossible is no excuse for not trying to do it. All too often, we conclude that something can't be done, so we don't even bother trying to do it. If Moses had taken that attitude, the Jews would still be in Egypt. If Joshua had felt that way, the walls would still be standing around Jericho. If David had adopted that opinion, Goliath would still be terrorizing the Israelites. You never know in advance what God may do. So, don't rule out the possibility of a mighty miracle coming your way. Lesson number two, God asks us to do the impossible and then he gives us whatever we need to fulfill his command. Erwin Lutzer points out that Jesus often told people to do the impossible. To a lame man, he said, rise, pick up your bed and walk. To a dead man, he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. There is a true sense in which every command of God is totally impossible for us to obey. We always lack what we need to obey God's commands, but God is faithful. He is faithful. He will give us whatever we need whenever we ask him. What God demands, he supplies. Let me say that again. What God demands, he supplies. He bids us fly and gives us wings. Lesson number three, when we offer our meager resources to God, we discover that the impossible isn't. 
Years ago, I ran across a quote from J. Hudson Taylor, great man of faith, whose missionary efforts helped open China to the gospel. Time and again, J. Hudson Taylor saw God do amazing things in the face of hopeless circumstances and murderous hostility. Reflecting on his experiences, he remarked that, quote, there are three stages in any great work attempted for God. Impossible, difficult, done. You'll appreciate that more in the years to come. Impossible, difficult, done. I am very encouraged by that because there are many moments when we all seem to be stuck in the impossible stage of life. Cheer up. You never know, but your impossibility may simply be stage one of a mighty miracle God will perform on your behalf. I am sure most of you know Word of Life, the great worldwide youth ministry, founded back in the early 1940s by Jack Wordson. And probably most of you know Harry Ballback, who is 86 years old now and worked with Jack Wordson way back in the early 1940s. A couple of times I've heard Harry Ballback tell the following story from the early days of Word of Life. He said that um, back in the 1940s, Word of Life was just a real tiny ministry. Jack and Harry, as young men, traveled to the city of Chicago to meet with Dr. Harry Ironside, back then pastor of the great Moody Church in downtown Chicago. They were in Dr. Ironside's office talking with him, and um, Dr. Ironside said, Jack, what does it cost to run Word of Life every week? Jack thought for a minute, and he said, $3,000. Remember, this was the 40s. It's a lot of money back then. So Harry Ironside said, What would happen to you if you didn't get the money? Jack laughed and said, well, I guess they'd come and put me in jail. To which Harry Ironside replied, I wouldn't worry about it, Jack. God has never failed anyone yet, and you're not important enough for him to make an exception now. (laughs) That's good news for all of us, isn't it? He's not going to make an exception for us either. I close by addressing the graduates of NBBI. We are so proud of you. So proud. You've done so well. You fought the good fight. You've finished the course. Good for you. As you go out from here, let me leave you with this one thought. God will give you whatever you need when you give him whatever you have. He'll give you whatever you need when you give him whatever you have. And he'll do it in his own time, in his own way, according to his own will. With that confidence, you can receive your diploma and strike out into the world to serve the Lord. My advice to you then is simple. Fear not. Dream big. Be bold. Take courage. God will give you whatever you need when you give him whatever you have. In that confidence, we send you forth from here with great joy and great hope. Go now and do great things for God. 
Would you allow me to pray for you? Oh, Lord, you have not brought us this far to leave us now. We have come this far by faith. We go forward by your faithfulness. As you have been with us through all the years, we ask you to lead us into the future. We gladly commit these graduates into your good hands. Watch over them. Lead them. Protect them. Guide them. Bless them. Take what they have and multiply it greatly for your glory. Grant them every blessing as they serve you. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.